0: All right, we're gonna get started. I know some more back there, but uh, let's look to God in His Word today, my brothers and sisters. We'll we will continue our study on the Beatitudes. I know we took a little detour last week or a couple weeks, right? <laughs> but uh, we're gonna pick it back up. We're gonna go to this uh this what is this the fifth Beatitude? Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, beatitudes. Before we get in here, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. I know I need your prayers. Um, It's been a crazy day, not yesterday, well, today has been crazy too, but yesterday just felt strange um just kind of out of it i don't know just fatigue was hitting me my wife was feeling her migraines kicking in riley getting sick and just not you know just not feeling it so to speak and so um i'm just praying for god's grace to speak through me um to his people and i know this is i know a a preacher's never supposed to say these words (laughs) but uh I don't plan to hold you too long. (laughs) Yeah, so it shouldn't be that long today. But, um, hope we get the point of what mercy is, how we should offer it up, and we're blessed if we do. So let us just go in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, Savior, Jesus, Holy Spirit, great I am, Lord, your vessel. I'm empty without you god I'm nothing without you lord so god i pray that you speak to my brothers and sisters god as you've been speaking to me throughout this week bringing me to bringing me to your mercy showing me how you've been so good to me god may you bring them to revelations of the mercy that's already been shown in their life god may they come to understand it more deeply and love you more greatly God, may we also show that mercy to others as children of God. Help us to always remember your mercy in light of the mercy that we show and share. So God make your word clear. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful. As I've said before in the past, um, I believe when we were when I was speaking on the book of Nehemiah. I was I was talking about purpose. You guys remember that we were talking about purpose and how there's so many things in this world that we just don't know. We often want to know, you know, what is God's will for me? specifically we want to know that right like what is what has God called me to do what has he called me to be we want to know okay is God called me to be married or not married uh, what is God's will for me to have children or not to have children what is God's will for me when it comes to a job and career does he want me to have this job does he want me to have this over here should I buy this house should I buy this car God what is your will for me I don't have the answers for all of those that hasn't been revealed to me but what god has revealed what his will is for you i can go to the scriptures and show you that see it is his will that you are poor in spirit that is his will for you it is his will that you mourn over sin that is his will for you it is his will that you hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is his will. It is his will that you are meek. See, those are revealed. I can't tell you the unrevealed will of God that he has for your life, but I can tell you the revealed will of God for your life. And it is that you put on all of these beatitudes. That is God's will. That's clear. I know there's a lot of questions in other areas of our life. I don't know, God, what you want me to do over here or what you want me to do over there. But what is clear from Scripture is that it is his will that we put on all these things, these qualities, these traits that we see here in the Beatitudes. It is his will that we carry these things out, that we're poor in spirit, that we're merciful, and not only is it his will that you carry these beatitudes out, that you live them out and you show them on this earth, but these beatitudes also lead to true happiness. As Pastor Brian was saying earlier, blessed, another way of, of, of blessed also means happy. So you can actually read these beatitudes by saying, I'm Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, or, or happy are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth, or happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And this is not a superficial happiness that comes and changes with circumstances. But this is a a deep, abiding happiness of the soul and spirit as you walk and live out God's will. That is where ultimate true happiness comes from. When you live out the the things of scripture, when you live out this beatitudes. So today, as we look at this, uh, this this fifth beatitude. Remember, this is something that God wants us to put on and i also want you to remember remember as we look at these this verse remember the structure of the beatitudes remember how they all built one on top of the other remember in, in order for you to get to this bottom beatitude you first have to what be poor in spirit so remember they, they stack on top of each other they stack you're poor in spirit remember you believe that i have nothing to offer before god i stand before god empty-handed as a sinner Remember that. What is what is what's our next beatitude? That the uh, that we mourn. Remember that we mourn. It bothers us the sin in our life, or it bothers us with the sin in other people's lives. It's it's not something we take lightly. And what's our next one? It, it is meekness. That we are meek. One, we're meek towards God in submitting ourselves humbly before the Lord. But also, we show meekness to others. Remember that beatitude. And then we hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is what we desire. We want to be righteous before God. We want to do the righteous things of God. See, these are all the Beatitudes that Jesus says. It's blessed when you carry out these traits. You're blessed to have these things. These are the people of the kingdom of God that have these characteristics. And so today, as we look at this last one or this fifth one, I mean, we're looking at blessed are the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What is mercy? Think about the Nehemiah. What is mercy? And, and what does it mean to be merciful? Right? What does it mean to be merciful? Um, the pastor that, uh, at my previous church, he would always give this illustration when he was preaching on mercy. He would talk about how he had this God. You no, know, it was a foster child. He had this foster child. It was a, it was a boy. And, and this foster child would often act up. And he told us his foster child, if you keep acting up, I'm going to get you. Meaning you don't get spanking. You're going to get it. And, and, and so this foster child is, is constantly acting up, constantly acting up. And then he says, OK, I'm getting you. You know, what's going down. You know what's going to happen. You're going to get in trouble. And so I guess as he's walking to his foster child to to, to discipline him, the child says, please, please have mercy. Please, please have mercy. The child was saying, don't give me what I deserve. Please just 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 have some mercy on me. See, that's what mercy means. It's not getting what you truly deserve. You can also go in and look up Google and you can find out what mercy means. And it'll say the same thing. But the best way to understand what mercy truly is and what it's made of is by looking at the author of it. Who's the author of mercy? It's the Lord. So I want us to look at something here. Go to Genesis chapter 19. This is Genesis. Genesis. First book of the Bible. And we're going to look at verse 15 and 16. But let me just kind of bring you up to speed because we're coming in the middle of the story. So here in Genesis 19, God is sending down his angels and they're going to destroy the city of Sodom because of the wickedness. But then there's a lot in this city. And so God is going to he's going to allow lot to escape, but he's going to destroy the city. So he comes down, he sends his angels down and the angels come. They let Lot know what's going down. I'm going to destroy this city. And so Lot has to worry, Okay, God, I hear you. You're going to destroy the city. He tells him to go get his family, get ready to get out of this place because I'm about to destroy the city because of the wickedness. And so when the day of destruction comes, we find that. Lot, the scripture says, look at, of fact, let's read verse 15 to 16. I want to show you what it says. It says, when morning dawned, the angels urged Lot saying, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are, who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city because God is going to bring destruction on his city because of its wickedness. God is about to display his wrath on his city because of this wickedness. And look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, but he hesitated. Who hesitated? Lot. And some of your translation will say, but he lingered. That means he waited around, even though God said, I'm about to bring destruction on this city. Lot lingers. He waits around. He's not quick to get out. Even though he's hearing this word, he's hearing this news. The scripture says that he hesitates. So look what happens. I want to show you how mercy looks. Look what happens to Lot. It says, so the men, what did they do? They seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters. For the compassion of the Lord was upon him, or your translation will say, or the mercy of the Lord was upon him. So God tells a lot of to destroy the city. A lot of like, okay, you about to destroy the city. I heard the news, but yet he lingers around. Some commentators say, well, he was thinking about the city. Maybe he was a man of great stature there, or he was thinking about his investments and his properties. or I don't know what Lot was thinking about. Even though God said he was going to bring destruction, Lot, for some reason, he wanted to just linger around. But what did God do in his mercy? God, in his mercy, came and took Lot. From the place of destruction. He delivered him from the place of destruction. Even though he lingered there. See Lot wasn't deserving of that mercy. See Lot wasn't. Lot was just as wicked. As the rest of everyone else. Even though he may have been a little bit more righteous. Than the people in his town. Lot was no more deserving of the rest of the people. To be delivered. But God in his mercy came. And took Lot. Picked him up. And sat him in a place of safety. See if you're reading this, what you should be seeing is yourself in lot. See, you and I, we lingered in sin. We, we lingered in mess. We lingered in unrighteousness and just like Lot we heard the news some of you you've been to church many times before you came to Christ you heard the gospel preach. you heard the destruction that was coming your way you heard those things but yet you stayed lingering in sin you stayed lingering in disobedience you stayed doing those unrighteous things but there was something in God where he came and he brought his mercy upon you and he opened your eyes to see Jesus and to deliver you from this wrath that was coming your way see wrath was coming Lot's way The wrath of God was coming to Lot, but God in his mercy removed Lot from the circumstance, just like you and I. See, that was called mercy because Lot didn't deserve it. He wasn't this perfect and righteous man. Lot fell short, just like you and I fall short. He fell short of God's grace, but God in his mercy came and had his angels. He said they, they escorted him. They grabbed him by the hand and said, I'm taking you out of the kingdom of darkness and I'm placing you over here to this place of safety. Do you see that? Even though he lingered and waited around, God's mercy was so great towards him. And God's mercy in your life, he has been so merciful towards you. See, God's mercy, it looks different for all of us. See, for some, God's mercy was sending a person to prison so that they won't die in the street. See, I, I know many brothers who God has he has sent them sent them to prison so that they wouldn't die in the street. And when they came in the prison, they began to know Him. See, that was mercy. See, it, it was mercy that that girl or guy that you were dating went out and cheated on you because it was that you. it was that thing that caused you to break up with him. And you didn't end up staying with this horrible guy who was going to drag you through the rinker and stress you out. See, that was God's mercy towards you. All of those things, that's mercy. Those those things that could have been really bad for you. Those, Those circumstances that you were in, that you felt the pain and you were mad that God did it. But really, he was showing you mercy by taking you out of a place that would have took you away. By getting you out of that bad relationship that would have took you to stress, crazy levels of stress. God allowed you to be delivered by his mercy. See, that's what mercy looks like. Mercy looks like you dabbling in the same drugs, you dabbling in the same bottle that killed the next person or or that put this other person in a crazy institution. Or, But you, it didn't come near you. Why? Because God was graceful and merciful to you. That's what mercy looks like. You didn't you weren't more deserving than anybody else. It's not that because you were just such a great person. No, God was merciful to you. You stand here today because God was merciful to you. He didn't allow you to keep going down that path that you were going. He opened your eyes to see Jesus. That's called mercy because you didn't earn that. You didn't work for that. See, the Apostle Paul also speaks to this in in another place. Go into Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Mm-hmm. <coughs> mm-hmm. Are we here? Look how the apostle Paul speaks about it here in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read you verses 1-4 to so you can get the gist of how mercy looks. He says here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, look, and were by nature children of wrath, deserving wrath. Yes, we gave wrath, but we were also deserving wrath. God, wrath was going to come upon us due to our nature, our sinfulness inside of us. And he says, even as the rest. Look at verse four. Look at verse four, key verse. He says, but God. But God being rich in what mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verse six and raised up with him and have been seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying you were dead in your sins. You were living according to the ways of the world. You weren't living for God. You were doing all, you were doing all the things that the children of disobedience, the children of the evil one, you, you were doing all of these things. And, and not only that, you were a slave to your flesh. Meaning whatever your, your sinful human nature said and do, you went and did. Whatever your sinful human nature wanted to go and do, you went and did. Whatever it wanted to taste, you wouldn't taste. Whatever it wanted to smoke, you wouldn't smoke. Whatever you wanted to drink, it wouldn't did. All of that lust inside of you, we walked in and We, we were slaves to it. And because of that, guess what? We are deserving of God's wrath. That deserves God's wrath. It doesn't deserve pardon. It doesn't deserve that. It deserves God's wrath. But it said, but God being great in mercy. See, that's the mercy. He said, you were a child of God's wrath. But he's averting the wrath. He's not giving you the wrath. He's giving you mercy. And, And the mercy is that he said that we were made alive through Christ. So he, he averts the destruction that comes our way. Then he gives us grace by giving us Jesus. And in that, he gives us his spirit and makes us alive with Christ. See, that's the beauty of, of mercy here. You got to understand that you are a recipient of mercy Outside of, outside of that, you would not stand righteous before God. You would stand as a broken, dead sinner, still in your dead sinful way, still a slave to sin, still doing all of those things that you said you hated to do, but yet you did them. It is only because of God's mercy that you stand right now. Mercy. See, Jesus Christ is the mercy of God. Jesus Christ is the mercy of God to you. God sending his son is God sending you mercy. He is the mercy of God. Jesus Christ was the mercy of God to what is our guy? Blind Bartimaeus. Do you remember blind Bartimaeus and Mark? Do you remember how how, um, he hears that Jesus Christ is coming down the road? He hears Jesus and what does he says? He calls him the son of David. Son of David, that's a term for the Messiah. So blind Bartimaeus, even though he couldn't see something, he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And he and he says, what did he say to him? Have mercy on me. You remember that in Mark? He says to have mercy on me. And, and why does he say have mercy? Because he's not deserving of it. Remember, mercy means I'm not deserving. I deserve wrath. He knows he's not worthy of it, but he's asking God, I don't have nothing to offer up. He didn't go up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I've been a really good person. Hey, Jesus, I've, I've kept the law perfectly. No, he doesn't do that. He says, Jesus, have mercy on me. That, that's the poor in spirit mindset. It's not believing that I have something to offer up. It's saying, God, all I can do is just hope in your mercy. I'm just throwing myself on your mercy, God, because I know that I have nothing to offer up before you. I I know I'm just a a broken and blind sinner. So Jesus, will you just, just, just offer up mercy? See, he, he understands that he has nothing. And so he's coming and saying, I'm just, I'm just hoping in your mercy. That's the only thing that's going to save me. That's the only thing that's going to change my, my blind eyes to see you is you having mercy upon me. That's the only reason, as I said earlier, why you see Jesus is because God had mercy on you. You were blind, miss. but God came and he opened your eyes through mercy. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to grant you this grace, but he did. He was the mercy of God to blind Bartimaeus. Jesus Christ was the mercy of God when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus didn't deserve that. Our sins, we deserve death. But when he did that, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he was the mercy of God to Lazarus. Jesus Christ was the mercy of God to the hungry multitudes. Did we deserve to be fed, to be full? Did they deserve it? No, but he had mercy towards them. They deserve that? No, but God was merciful to them. And Jesus Christ ultimately became the mercy of God. As he hung on the cross, he became the mercy of God. That that was God's mercy to us. You're looking at mercy as you look on the cross. That's what Jesus became. All of our sin that we committed against God, God showed us mercy by showing him justice. See, the justice that we should be getting for our sins was put on Christ. Jesus got the justice. We got the mercy. (sighs) So after looking at God's mercy, we, we, we must conclude, or what we see when we examine God's total mercy is that mercy will always involve an offended party. In mercy is always going to be somebody that is violated. In mercy there's always going to be somebody that is treated wrong. But what determines if you are merciful or not is how you respond when you are offended. How you respond when you're treated wrong. How you respond when you are cursed out. How you respond when you're lied on. How you respond when they steal from you. See, that determines if you're merciful or not. It's in the response. See, mercy says that even though you have wronged me and I would be justified by the world in wronging you back, I'm actually going to do good to you. See, that is mercy. I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago, there was a, there was a Christian guy. I remember he was a Chinese guy in San Diego. And San, in San Diego, there's like an Air Force base out there. And so I guess the, 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 pilots were testing some of their planes in San Diego and something went wrong with the plane where the plane began to nosedive. And they were just, they're just training in San Diego and the plane began to nosedive, dive. And it's, the, the plane is crashing. And so the pilot ejects. He ejects, but the plane lands in a residential neighborhood. It hits a house, blows up. Everyone in the house dies, except for the father who was at work and not there. Everyone. Remember, it was, his, it was his mom, it was his mother-in-law, all of his kids all died in this when the plane hit their house. And I will never forget this. They had a press conference about it. And the guy, he was a Christian guy. He gets on a mic, he's weeping, he's crying, and he shocks everybody with what he said. Because the first things out of his mouth was, I'm praying for the pilot that he doesn't suffer from the guilt. This pilot just crashed the plane and took his whole family. And he gets up there and says he's praying for the pilot that he doesn't suffer because of the guilt. See, he would be, the world would say he would be right, right? He could just go all his wrath. He can just spew all of his hatred on his pilot. He can get up there on the mic and just say all of these wrong things. He could do, he can say all of these, I hate this pilot. I hope you burn in hell. He could have said all of those things. And people would have said, yes, he would have been justified in saying that, but he doesn't do that. He shows mercy. That, that's mercy. He says, no, I'm praying for you, Pilate. Because I know you're going to feel some guilt because my family's going, I don't want you sad. See, that's mercy. Even though that wrong was done to the man, the pilot, in mercy, he's praying for the pilot. Oh, Lord. That's mercy. I've also seen shows where you had Christians, parents. Stare at the killer who took their daughter, their son, their family and say, I forgive you. That's mercy. Raph says, what? You did this to my kids? I just want to kill you. I'm going to beat you. But mercy says, yes, you wronged me. Yes, you've taken this away. But I forgive you. That is to do good, even when you are wronged. You're showing love. That is mercy. So it is blessed to be merciful. It's blessed to be merciful. It's blessed to be favored by God by showing mercy. But we must understand what being merciful is going to come with some wounds. We're going to take some bite marks. It's going to come with some stab wounds. There's going to be some blood. There's going to be some ripped jeans. You are going to be stretched as you be merciful in this fallen world. Just like my brother, the the guy from San Diego, just like those families of Christians who watched the killer or or spoke to the killer and said, "I, I forgive you. So I want to pose this question to you. Is there someone in your life right now who may have wronged you? This person is trying to make amends, but you are holding back mercy. I want you to examine your own life. Is there someone in your life right now who may have wronged you, treated you wrong, violated you? This person is trying to make amends, asking maybe for your forgiveness, but you have held back on extending mercy. And maybe this person didn't ask for peace, but ask yourself, could you offering up mercy change things? Think about that. Could, could you, just by offering up mercy, change the circumstance? I, wa- I, wa- I want to give us this warning as well for, this, for those of us who hold back mercy. I want to show you what James says about holding back mercy. Go to James chapter two, please. James chapter two, verse 13. Are we here? James chapter two, verse 13. Look what he says here. And I'm going to just start at 12. He says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. Verse 13, our key verse for judgment will be mercy less to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So, so what does James say about our, our mercy to, when we're withholding mercy? He says that there will be no mercy for the one who's not showing mercy. And he says that your mercy, our mercy, it triumphs over the judgment. So mercy, again, James is showing us this is fitting hand in glove with the Beatitudes that mercy is a character or a quality that those of the kingdom of God possess. See, mercy is important. And some of you, as you read this, you're saying, but but, brother Jerome, you, you don't know what he or she did to me. Or, or brother Jerome, you don't understand what they put me through. How are you expecting me to offer up mercy to this person? Or how are you expecting me to offer up mercy to that group over there? You, you don't know what they said to me. You don't understand the humiliation. You don't understand how I feel. How can you just expect me to do this? And you're right. I don't understand what you've gone through. I don't fully know how you feel. But God does. And God also knows how it feels to extend mercy to a people, to a place, to a group who don't deserve it. See, here's the thing, if you are withholding mercy and not being merciful, that could suggest that there is a twinge of self-righteousness still reigning in your spirit. See, you may be middle class in spirit, but you're not poor in spirit. See, the poor in spirit mind understands that I stand before God, empty handed, dependent upon his mercy. As I mentioned earlier, we don't want justice. We don't want justice from God. We want mercy. Justice means that I will get what I deserve. And since we have all sinned, and the wages of sin is death, justice means that I get eternal separation, eternal damnation from God. So we do not want justice. We want Mercy. And if we want mercy from God, then what must we show to others? Mercy. We must be merciful. See, The way you know that you have encountered and that you have seen God's mercy, it's not that you can recruit or you can quote scriptures about mercy. It's not that you can carry around your Bible. It's not that you have perfect church attendance. But the way that we know that we have seen God's mercy and encounter God's mercy is when we display mercy. If you don't see it, it's probably because I mean, if you don't display it, it's probably because you haven't seen it. You don't display it because you don't know it. But if you know it, you display it. You you realize that I am this broken sinner. So who am I to not show mercy to the next person? See, we show mercy because we've received mercy. We forgive because we understand the forgiveness that comes our way through Jesus. See, all of our our mercy and our, our forgiveness, it's all done in the light of God's forgiveness. It's all done that way. Why does he do it that way? Because it keeps us from being self-righteous. It's one. See, if if I just do, um, if I forgive somebody outside of the mercy that God has given me, if I don't recognize that, then I can become what? Puffed up as I do good. I can begin to look down at other people. Oh, they're not forgiving like me. Oh, they're not merciful like me. But when I understand that the only reason that I stand before God is by mercy, then I can't even look down on the next person because I realize I'm just a broken sinner just like them. See, examining our mercy in light of God's mercy helps us to be merciful. That's that's, that's very important. And I think that's, that's the point that Jesus makes in Matthew 18. Let me take you to one more verse. Go to Matthew 18. And I just want to, I was going to kind of just paraphrase it, but I want to just read it to you. I got time. because This is my last scripture. So Matthew 18. Amen. I'm going to look at verse 21. And I'm going to just quickly run through uh, 35. So Matthew 18. Here we go. I'm going to just read through it. It says, then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but I say up to 70 times seven. He says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle counts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. Twenty six. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him. So he's laying down to the ground, begging, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Twenty seven. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him, wow, saying, Pay back what you owe. Twenty-nine. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. 32. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. 33. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed to him. Thirty five. Jesus says, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from the heart. Mm-hmm. That basically sums up everything I just said. But I want just, to just I want to show you the, the depths of this. Peter is saying, Jesus, OK, I have this brother over here. He offended me. How many times should I forgive him? Seven times, Jesus says, no, 70 times seven, right? He's trying to say you should always forgive, basically. And so then Jesus says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to this. He said, a servant owed 10,000 talents. Let me show you this number. Jesus, when he says 10,000 talents, he's using hyperbole. He's using exaggeration to show you the the depths of our sin, because guess what 10,000 talents means? I did the math. The average, the median income in America right now is fifty six thousand dollars a year. One talent was worth um 20 years wages. So fifty six thousand dollars times 20 years. And he said he had 10,000 talents. He owed them. So that amount of that money, it came to 11 billion, 200 million. So do you see what Jesus is doing? He's using this exaggeration, but he's showing you that is our debt. That is how we look to God. We owe 11 billion, 200 million. It's more than that. So he's saying this. There's no way that this slave can pay it back. That's the point that he's making. There's no way you can pay for your sins. He's trying to bring this point out here and he says, The guy asks for mercy, so God gives him mercy. But then the guy goes and he jams up another slave who owes him the equivalent of a dollar. So you owe this person 11 billion dollars. This guy over here owes you one dollar and you're not forgiving him? even after I just forgave you 11 billion that's what it looks like when we don't show mercy to those in the world if God has already forgiven us such a great debt then of course we should be showing mercy look what God has done for me that is the point that Jesus is making blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy see the merciful have received mercy they understand mercy and because of that we display it that's why if you don't display it it's probably because you don't see it you don't understand it you don't know it because you can't have it and not display it. We display it because we know it, we've received it, we see it. The slave, he didn't see it. He was still blind. 11 billion, a dollar. He choked the guy, the scripture says. That's a wicked. So my brothers and sisters, we as children of God on this earth, you have to be merciful. Understanding this great debt, understanding this great mercy that has come your way. It's a part of the kingdom life. And God said, that's blessed are the merciful. Happy are the merciful. Those who show the mercy that has come their way. Those who forgive because they understand the, the cost that it it cost them that Jesus died and forgave them. We can't. If we do, with mercy, we're saying something else. We're not seeing how messed up we are. That's That's telling me. If we think we're so righteous that we can't offer mercy to somebody else, we're not understanding how poor in the spirit we really are. That we need God's mercy. So as I close this, just, I want you to examine these Beatitudes. Please don't take this just as a sermon. This is not just a teaching, but this is instructions from God for holiness, to represent Him on this fallen earth. He wants us to be many replicas of Him, because He showed mercy, so He wants us to show mercy. I heard that someone said, that's what Christians are. You're like many Christ. (laughs) So we have to live out the life and represent our Lord and Savior. Well, by being merciful to others, blessed if you do, let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for your great mercy. These words come out of our mouth. God, it's because of you, you cleaned us up, gave us a new mind, new spirit. You've been so merciful to us. God, it's our our, our desire, our joy to be merciful to others for your name's sake. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are here today that are struggling with offering mercy, holding back mercy, God. May you quicken their spirits. May you bring them to an understanding of the mercy that has already been shown their way. May they walk in your will with joy. May they find true happiness as they Follow your will in your way. Jesus, it's in your name we stand. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.